Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. It is terrible, Rand. An urgent note entered her voice. Why do you think even the Forsaken feared to use it? Think of the effect on the pattern of a single thread. One man removed from hours or days that had already been woven, like one thread picked partly out of a piece of cloth. Fragments of manuscripts remaining from the War of Power say several entire cities were destroyed with balefire before both sides realized the dangers. Hundreds of thousands of threads pulled from the pattern, gone for days already past. Whatever those people had done now no longer had been done, and neither had what others had done because of their actions. The memories remained, but not the actions. The ripples were incalculable. The pattern itself nearly unraveled. It could have been the destruction of everything. World. Time. Creation itself. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 3 through 7 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 7, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 7, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Another note, we are recovering from COVID. Yep. So that is why our voices might sound weird. Yep. So please, <laughs> please bear with us. We also still have a little bit of brain fog. At least I do. A little bit, but we're powering through. We're, we have a podcast to do and yep. like work and stuff. And thankfully we were vaccinated. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yep. All right. Chapter summaries from dragonmount.com. Read in a scratchy voice. Rand confronts and threatens the gleeman Jason Natale for almost revealing his real identity, the forsaken Asmodian, in front of Rand's guests. Rand demands that Asmodian teach him more about the One Power and the Forsaken. Rand's Taviran nature exerts itself as an inordinate number of maidens lay down their spears to make marriage wreaths. Matt drinks, gambles, and contemplates the new memories placed in his mind since his trip through the second redstone doorway. He shows off his luck and impresses Melindra, a Shido who has abandoned her clan and joined the maidens who follow Rand. Rand warns Matt not to trust the peddler Kadir. Rand retires to his room, where he is doted on to a frustrating degree by the maidens. Avienda gives him a belt buckle in the shape of a dragon, which she claims is to cancel her debt to him. The former peddler Isendra enters, clad in nothing but bracelets and a scarf. Avienda believes Rand is encouraging her. Rand declines to explain that Isendra is a dark friend, fearing that Asmodian will be uncovered if he does. Egwene joins the Wise Ones and Moraine in the sweat tent. Moraine attempts to convince the Wise Ones that crossing the Dragon Wall with Rand would be disastrous. Egwene is surprised to learn that Avienda volunteered to be beaten in punishment for lying to Rand. Egwene has begun learning to enter people's dreams. Melaine asks the other Wise Ones to help her approach Bale's first wife, prompting Avienda to ask Egwene whether Rand might accept a sister wife as well. Egwene doesn't have an answer. Both Egwene and Avienda earn punishments and are set running around the camp. Rand is woken by the sensation of Shadowspawn nearby. He slays several Darkhounds with Balefire, including some which went after Matt. Moraine attempts to heal Matt, but cannot until Matt removes the Foxhead medallion he acquired inside the doorframe Turangriol. Rand refuses to listen to Moraine, prompting her to give an oath that she will not attempt to manipulate him. 
Rand apologizes. Moraine explains that the weave he used was forbidden in the Age of Legends because it erases things before the moment of their destruction. Even the Forsaken feared to use it. Rand makes Moraine promise not to take the Foxhead Medallion from Matt. He checks on Asmodian and is visited by Lanfear. He calls her Mieran and speaks with Luz Theron's words. Lanfear claims Robin sent the Darkhounds and that he has taken control of Camelin. Rand pretends not to care. The Shido begin moving, prompting Rand to break camp. Egwene observes the preparations to leave Roydian. Rand makes the fountains in the city run again. Moraine contemplates what she saw inside the rings of Roydian and the choices she must still make. Okay, so I usually don't read the summaries before you read them. Yep. So I have an honest reaction to them. Okay. And this honest reaction is, why was it so long? <laughs> I guess the people at Dragonmount thought a lot of stuff in this section was important. And it kind of was. Yeah. Granted, I looked ahead at the next chapter summary, and it's literally one sentence. Good. Glad to know <laughs> that only one important thing happens in an entire chapter. Yep. So, but uh, a lot of stuff does happen here, and it's a lot of... It is continuing a trend that we saw in book four where there's not necessarily a ton of action. The Dark Hounds attack, and that's pretty action-filled. Yeah. But most of the action here is between characters. Yes, which I which I enjoy. I like more character-driven things, as we've established several times on this podcast. Yeah. I just do have to complain that we are seven chapters in. And do you know mm. what character-driven plot we have not seen anything from? Lenive. Well, that's always a complaint. <laughs> yes, we did at least see Lan. We have oh, not wow. even heard from Perrin. Oh, yeah, we haven't. Like, loyal. There was a mention of Ogier's this section. I'm like, you know what, Ogier, we have not seen? <laughs> Our best friend, loyal. That's very true. I don't remember how much of them is in this book. Perrin is kind of in, like, Perrin's got stuff to do, clearly, yeah. but... Overall, plot-wise, he's kind of at a chill point right now. I guess. I He just fought a bunch of Trollocs and defended the two rivers. I'm just saying. We checked in with Min. Min's got stuff to do, plot-wise. She's with a just, deposed Amarillin. It's seven chapters in, and, like, a good 30% of last book was Perrin. We need to hear a little bit from Perrin, is all I'm saying. Don't worry. We get more Perrin. I just okay. don't know if it's this book. So we just go chapters upon chapters without hearing from Perrin? Complain. We go a whole book without hearing from Rand. We hear about Rand, though. Yes. Later on, the series does one of those Game of Thrones things where there are two books that happen in roughly the same period of time. And but so it's, it's some characters yeah. in each book. I kind of hate those. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Unsurprisingly, the, the second book, the second half of that book, is Crossroads of Twilight my least favorite one? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like Winter's Heart is Winter's Heart is in the slog and it's it's slow, but it ends with one of the coolest things in the series. Okay. And Crossroads of Twilight is just like, okay, here's here's what the other guys are up to. Yeah. So I guess like in theory, one could do a tandem read, and uh, is... you actually maybe could because well, sort of the the like event in book nine happens partway through book 10. So it's not as bad as whatever the two Song of Ice and Fire books I didn't are, end up getting to those ones, so. <clears throat> where, like, they actually just happen at the same time. At least book 10 does go past it. 
Someone on the internet has probably figured out what chapters to read in what order from both books in order to do a tandem read. I wouldn't be that surprising, and it's it would be... Someone did it for the Throne of Glass series, because there's two books that are also like that, that kind of happen, different characters, mm-hmm. same time, so people can do a tandem read, because someone figured it out. Yeah. And Wheel of Time has been around much longer, so someone's probably figured it out. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if somebody hadn't. Actually, I wouldn't be shocked, but it would be a little surprising. The unfortunate thing is that it would be read most of Winter's Heart and then start Crossroads of Twilight. And like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you start Crossroads of Twilight when any other book is getting interesting? <laughs> I'm really hating on Crossroads of Twilight here. We're going to get to it and it's not going to be as bad as I remember it. Um, yeah, watch it be my favorite. Uh, I would probably divorce you. <laughs> Please don't do that. I can't afford to live on my own. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, anyway, we have not really talked about what happens here at all. No, we um, have not. Uh, the summary did a really good job. It went so through end of everything. Yep. We're done. <laughs> Ten minutes in, we're, uh, we're entirely done with this episode. No, I have lots to say. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we ended last section with a cliffhanger where Rand's just whipping a cup at Asmodian. <laughs> and we pick up with him having whipped said cup. At Asmodian to be like, bitch, what were you thinking? Yeah, so Asmodian is the one who channeled the cup over at Rand, and Rand's like, you fucking donkey. <laughs> how dare you channel at all, even though he's there to teach him how to channel. Like, how dare you channel in front of people? And he's right. like, you looked thirsty. <laughs> Which, like, Asmodian's fair, a mood. <laughs> yeah, Asmodian is kind of a mood. I, I know he's one of the Forsaken, <laughs> And so, like, he's evil. I kind of like him. He's an awful, awful person that you kind of hate to love. Okay, but in, in I guess, my defense of liking Asmodian, he has not done anything bad on page. That's true. He really hasn't. He just pretended to be a gleeman that was a little bit creepy, and then he got, a like, a weave put on him to block his powers. Yep. And that's about all we've gotten from him. We've been told he's bad. We yes. haven't been shown he's bad. Yes, which is, that's kind of like with most of the Forsaken, unless they're actively being faced, it's kind of where we kind of have to be. Because the really, truly bad things they did, with the exception of Robin, happened way in the past. I don't know. I'd say when in last section we had the meeting of all of the Forsaken, in a couple of lines, it demonstrates that these are bad people. Yes. All of them, because they're all controlling people's minds. Well, except Lanfear and Samael aren't. Samael does something else that makes me go, I don't like you. Well, Samael's just a... is Lanfear. Samael's just a dick, and all the other Forsaken are like, you're a dick. Yeah, so it gives me a reason not to like him. Yeah. So far, Asmodian hasn't really given me a reason not to like him. That's fair. On page, yeah. We do, I mean, we hear about some of the things he does, which is, like, torture artists that he thinks might be better, and, like, sell his own grandmother to the shadow. Yeah, that's not like, great. He's a he's not a good person, or at least he was a very bad person and is now stuck being a court bard. Yeah, and now he's try- now he's being forced to be a good person. And right. I don't know. Like the good place. Maybe there was that <laughs> dick that was in the- <laughs> had to go through all the things for like thousands of years and eventually he kind of became a good person. Yeah. He figured it out. Yep. That's true. We learn a couple of other things. We learn a little bit about the- a little bit of extra mechanics about uh linking and forming a circle. 
And, like, inverting a shield. Yes. We did... This is the first Rand is learning of it. Egwene knows about it. I have already forgotten since writing down the words inverting shield, <laughs> what inverting shield means. So, so can you Inverted explain? weaves are weaves that are set and then, like, kind of turned in on themselves so they're not visible. Okay. Rand has done this, actually. He didn't know he was doing it, but when he set wards on... Calendor, when he put it back into the stone, those are inverted so that people can't see them. Yeah. Okay. Egwene kind of also learned how to do this in the stone when she kind of, when she shielded some of the sleeping Black Aja and like did, like twisted the weave so that it wouldn't be visible. She's done it. Uh, Elaine and Nynaeve also know how to do it. Because they're all, I do, I have noticed with a lot of the characters who are learning the channel, they all have the, once I see it, I can always do it thing, which yeah. is annoying. A little bit. Give me some diversity. Have one of them struggle. Well, yeah. Well, and there I guess are... we do get Avienda struggling a little bit. Avienda's struggling and Avienda's not weak. Um, and there are things that they're not good at. Um, like, I think Elaine is not particularly good at healing. But she still has... In general, the concept of once I see it, I yeah. can do it. And like, nah. Rand is a little bit of an exception. It's just he's not the only one. Rand is the dragon reborn. Yeah, he gets he gets a pass. Rand like, has main girls, character disease. All, all three all three of the girls, and we've established that they are not Taviran, even though Gwen should be. They all have the once I see it, I can do it. Yeah. And we do learn that Avienda does not have that, at least. So they're, we're starting to get there. But, like, yeah. one out of four is not... Not a ton. Not great diversity in terms of learning styles. Yeah. there. It is established that there is something about strength in the one power that makes it easier to understand and use the one power. So at least it is... It, it You know, yeah, it would be nice to see them struggle a little bit. But and, it is at least established in the lore that it's a thing. And... Not struggle in the way that Nynaeve is struggling, because I'm just over it. I yeah. haven't even gotten in Nynaeve's head <laughs> this book, and I'm already over it. Yeah. Like, I think I just know that she still can't channel, and it's annoying. That's fair. It, it is frustrating. We are approaching... She does get over it eventually. Okay. We are approaching that point, because okay. we're moving forward in the series. That really tells you nothing about where it happens. No, it does not. Ha-ha. <laughs> Spoilers, but not. Yay. Anyway, the other kind of interesting one power mechanic thing that we learned is about linking. Uh, as Modine explains that two men cannot form a circle. You need at least one woman in a circle. Yeah. Women can form a circle of up to 13 before they must include a man. Do they then get to add more women after that? Does something about... Uh, I th The largest circle is like 72 and it's like one more woman one more woman than man. Okay. So like, it's I, I don't remember what the exact ratio is, but it, it's kind of like one to one after 13. That makes sense in terms of at least like math after that. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily understand why men can't link into a circle by themselves, but I think in universe it is about the difference between Sidene and Sidar. Is it something to do with the corruption or was it like that no. before the corruption? It's it's inherent to the powers. OK, not to the taint. <laughs> We're reading the book, it's the taint. I am not calling it that. 
You, you, I am calling it the corruption. You don't want to talk about the Dark Ones taint. No, I don't want to talk about the Dark Ones taint. <laughs> That's fair. So the other couple of things we learned from this very first section are that uh, Rand is definitely improving with the one power. He in- has intentionally started weaving it. Yep. And he weaves a very special shield to keep Esmodian and Esmodian alone in the room. Yep. And if anyone tries to cross it, that basically a man that can channel tries to cross it. They're going to eat a face full of fire. Yeah. So he can't cross it without unweaving it first. And he is not strong enough to do so. Asmodian. Asmodian. Yeah. yeah. I was saying Rand. Um, Even if Rand yeah. crossed it, he'd have to, he like would yeah, have to. Yeah, he's not quite as adept with setting wards yet. To make it like, I can do things, but you can't. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Yeah, Because he has wards on Kalendor. That does the same that, thing. That either recognize him or... He could teach somebody else how to undo them. Yeah, but this one it is a booby trap that he hasn't figured out how to put a fingerprint lock on. Yeah, like it's, Swan it's... did. Swan, and I think maybe it was in the was it in the show or was it in the book where the box, the box. Yeah, that's in the books. Okay, uh, but she, you know, she put a ward on something, and if she yep. put her hand in the box, it was fine. But if someone else tried to open it, fire. Yep. Basically the same thing. Yep. Rand just hasn't figured out the other part. The other thing that we learn is that lots of maidens are getting married. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of Maiden stuff. We can kind of skip over Matt, go back to Rand, and then yeah. do the Matt-Rand stuff that comes in together. So Matt has... Not Matt. Rand. We're talking about Rand. Yep. Has been staying in the roof of the Maidens, which is just a, a building that they decided was their roof. Well, technically, they decided... Or he was already there. And then they were like, ah, that's where Rand is. We're yep. going to make this the roof of the Maidens. They're really... They're giving him the little brother treatment. <laughs> it's... Really cute. I like it. Um, I like that all of them are like just kind of adopted him. Oh yeah, like real hardcore. Especially like it was. It had started a little bit during book four, but toward at the end of book four, when he decided that his kind of like honor guard into Alcair Dahl was going to be the maidens. They're like, yep, you're ours you're, now. you're the guy. <laughs> you're the one guy. <laughs> you are a maiden honorary. Yeah. And it's just so funny that more of them keep coming, and he has to keep moving his bedroom up, and he's like, eventually I'm going to be on the roof. Yep. Because he doesn't want to sleep on the same floor as them. He wants his privacy. Which, fair. Fair. One, they're not really about privacy in general, the IEL. No, they aren't. Like, they they have privacy, but, you know, they, they all get naked in a sweat tent together. Yeah, they have no, like... Nudity is not inherently sexual for them. No, it's not. And I think that that's a healthy act, and I think that that's how most people should appro- approach it. Because yeah. it's not inherently sexual. Yeah. Like, they don't necessarily all get in a sweat. They don't necessarily, like, cross, like, gender lines. No, they do. But they do, just not all the time. Yeah. It is It is a little bit more intentional and reserved for places like sweat, sweat tents. tents. Yeah. They don't just do it. For the hell of it. Right. They're not just naked all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they have purpose to their nudity. Right. And it's almost always bathing. Yeah. Or just it's hot and... They live in a desert. Yeah, they live in a desert. But it's just interesting, like, he just keeps moving his bedroom up. And later he goes way to the top and he describes a very cool room. Why aren't you just sleeping in there? That sounds like a really... It's like... The door, there's no other rooms on it, so no one else could sleep there. Yeah. Like, why didn't you pick the coolest room in this building to be your bedroom, Rand? Why are you staying in a windowless room? Because 
things can come in through the windows. They've been attacked by Dragar before. That is true. It's still a kick-ass room. Yeah. When they described it, it's got like and, really cool tile work, and, and it's the, got like the symbol for Sidar and yeah. Sidine and. The thing cool about room. Rand, and we talked about this a little bit, um, is that Rand does still doesn't really believe he deserves this. It's just so funny because he carries himself like he believes he deserves this, and so everyone else thinks that he thinks that. Yeah. Well, but he, he doesn't because he we learned from Elaine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He did have, like, how to be a leader lessons in between the makeout sessions. Right. Because at some point, Egwene comments, like, he's just, someone needs to box his ears because he is carrying himself like a prince now. He's wearing a fancy coat and look at that belt buckle. Like, he surely thinks yeah, highly of himself. The, the comment of the belt buckle is really funny because it's from Avienda. It's a gift he didn't want. And one she did not want to give because it was one of the ones made from her weapons. Right. Now, granted, I think Egwene, one of Egwene's faults is that she refuses to acknowledge what Rand actually is. She does. I wonder if she would have the same, like, opinions of Perrin now that he basically is, like, (laughs) married to someone who's third in line and eventually will also start wearing fancy coats and, like, you know, beard oil and... That's a a good question. Like, is when they eventually run into each other again and... If they do. I feel like they are. There's (laughs) there's going to be a last battle. They do both have Teleran Riyadh things going on. They do. So they're going to run into each other at some point. And I think he's going to start looking fancier. And I want to know, is like she going to go, what the hell? Why is everyone dressing fancy? Yeah. But she definitely... I'm out here running naked around a camp and <laughs> you have a silk jacket. What is happening? Yeah. She definitely, I, I think it is It is a fault in her and it is, it is a bad thing for her to do to not acknowledge that Rand is not just Rand anymore. But she also does because Rand keeps commenting that the only three people that look at him and see just Rand are Avienda, Elaine, and Min. Yeah. I think in... He, he perceives how Egwene looks at him yeah. is as just the Dragon Reborn now. Yeah. And I, I think that that's definitely fair. I think some of what's happening is Egwene is she's spending too much time with Moraine. Yeah. Is what's happening, and she's and and while Moraine is clearly, and we'll get to this later, Moraine is adjusting how she's dealing with Rand like big time because she recognizes the need to do so. She saw him use bale fire, and then was like, "Okay, I think it's more important that he doesn't just like it's timey wimey, wimbly wombly out an entire city than right. it is for me to have the moral high ground." Right, Moraine would rather he listen to her than she have her own pride. Yeah. And Egwene is seeing that and is seeing this person who she's kind of held up as the goal, kind of trade away bits of herself to make sure that the world is okay, not understanding that that's Moraine's whole deal. And also, like, she needs to do that because he was just going to keep bail-firing shit and he was going to break the pattern. And Egwene hasn't really... She's not far enough along in her development as an Aes Sedai or as a wise one Yeah. to really understand that, like... You don't have... Pride is not the most important thing. Sometimes right. you have to sacrifice it. She pride. does have the same re... 
uh, Moraine kind of sacrificing some of her own pride in order to get Rand to listen to her. Egwene is having a similar reaction to that as Lan is to Moraine. They're, it, they're both kind of coming yeah. at it from a very protective thing. Lan is smarter, though, and has more experience. He knows what Moraine is he doing. Knows, like, he at least talks to her afterwards. He's like, I don't like this. And she's like, I'm it's just going re- to remind you that I have explained why I'm doing this. And he's like, okay, yes, you have explained to me. I still don't like it, but... I respect your decision, and I'm st- I'm still gonna glare at him for another day or two. Yeah. But after that, we're gonna be cool again. Once once again, I have to just completely admire the Lan Moraine relationship. I love it's them. It's so great. It's just like it's platonic. It's it never purely, turns into anything. Yeah, like. They've been around so long that they are so comfortable with each other. And even when they have disagreements, they settle it like goddamn adults. And, like, she outright says, she's like, I've never really thought of him that way. I've never minded when women threw themselves at him. Right. He didn't really seem to care. He didn't respond. But if he had, I wouldn't have minded. She's kind of like, go get some, Lan. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like... Which it has is to be a little, weird with the water bond. <laughs> it is a little unsettling that he's now making jokes because that means he's changing and I've known him for like 20 years and yeah. now you change. Yeah. Uh, it's let, not like he's. she's not jealous of Nynaeve. She's just like, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, quick minor detour to talk about some more Moraine's and stuff. We get a little bit of what happened when she, or like we get her recounting a little bit of what happened when she went through the... Pillars, the yep. columns, the, or, the, no, rings, the, the rings, the rings. Because the rings, that's uh, the first and test. it showed potential futures, and one of them was her sleeping with Rand. <laughs> and she's like, that one did not end well. I am not going to do that. But I, she would have. If it, if it ended well, she would have done it. Yeah, she's like, I had never thought of it, and then I saw that possible future, and then it's I saw like, it nope. ended poorly, and so I'm still going to not think about it. <laughs> yep. So, slight slight detour. There's a lot to talk about with Moraine, which we'll get to. But back to Rand. Uh, Rand and Avienda are not uh, getting along. It is... I have lots to say about this. Okay. <laughs> I am doubling down on Avienda as his third woman. Okay. Because... So, she comes to visit him, and she's wearing a necklace, and Rand's like, who gave you that? He's like all jealous because she's like, I gave her a bracelet and she didn't really like it, but she's still wearing it. But who gave her a necklace? I don't like this. We later find out that Egwene gave Avi into the necklace to like bind them as near sisters, which like I love. I love this whole near sister thing and like giving each other gifts yeah. to like and being explicit with this gift means this. Yeah. Poor Matt later doesn't understand. <laughs> but I do, I love the whole IEO culture around gifts. And he's been, back to Rand, he's been, like, sending her flowers. He's picking flowers himself, <laughs> cutting himself on said flowers before he realizes he could have been using the one power to pick them. But then he still just continues to, like, bleed on flowers and then send them to her. And Very fitting for giving flowers to Avienda. Yeah. And so, like... And they haven't, he's like, I haven't seen her in, like, two weeks. I miss her. Yeah. 
And then she comes in and she like basically throws a present at him. She's like, now we're even because you made it very clear that this bracelet doesn't mean what I want it but don't want it to mean. Yeah. It's not a regard gift. It's not a regard gift. And she's like, I never wanted it to be a regard gift. But it's like, clearly you did. Or else you would not be having weird nightmares around. And she (laughs) also hates him with all her heart. (laughs) No one says that. No one. No one says that. (laughs) She says it without looking at him, too. She just kind of turns around. Get your shit together, Avieta. And then the wise ones later tell her that she now has to sleep in his bedchambers. Not in his bed, but in his chambers. Yeah, because, like, Egwene's like, you can't make her sleep with him. And she's like, they're not. I still don't want to do this because I have a crush on him and I don't want to have a crush on him. And so I'm just going to keep forcing Elaine at him. Yep. (laughs) Which, like, I think it comes from a very honest place for her of my friend loves him. I can't have him. Yeah. because Because that is not how her culture works. So it's not like she's it comes from a very honest place and not like a I'm afraid of my feelings for Rand. I would be denying my feelings for Rand and I'd say I hate him even if Elaine wasn't in the picture. It doesn't come from that place. It comes from this like loyalty to Elaine, which I really appreciate. Well, and there's also an element of Rand is not Aiel. If Rand were if Rand and Elaine were Aiel, it may not even be a problem. No. So there but it's. The loyalty to Elaine, knowing that Elaine doesn't have this part as part of her culture, that, like, yeah. like if Elaine were Aiel, even if Rand, well, I mean, Rand is Aiel, but he's also not Aiel at the same time. Um, like, if it were one of her maiden sisters and they're both like, we have a crush on this uh, new person. Well, okay, we can, okay, we can, <laughs> well, he'll figure it out. He'll he'll get behind it. It'll be yeah. fine. She's not worried about Rand accepting having two wives. She's no, worried. I think she is. She asks if Rand would accept having first having a another wife. No, she doesn't. She, she doesn't. asks. She asks about Elaine. She asks about would another woman be okay with ah uh, having a sister wife. I thought she was asking about Rand. The wise ones were asking Gwen if Rand would accept Avienda sleeping in his chambers. Right. But Avienda is, like, mute during this conversation. Right. She just doesn't want to sleep in there in general, but she'll do it. And she's like, I don't, I don't, do you not trust him? Do you not trust me? She's like, no, it's just weird. Like, Yeah. Either way, and Avienda's like, I don't get it. Your culture is weird. Yep. But do you think someone might be open to having a sister wife from, like, someone yeah. from your land and Gwen's just like where is this question coming from <laughs> she is not observant with what's happening even though no. she saw Avienda's weird dream bordering on nightmare where she's only wearing the bracelet that Rand gave her yeah. and running away from like an ogier sized Rand yeah just yeah she likes him maybe a little bit and now we get some uh, high quality forced proximity and, like, not really enemies to lovers and not really rivals, but there's, it's very, like, one-sided. Yeah. I'm going to be mean to you Avienda like hates you. him way more than he thinks about her. Avienda's, like, pulling his pigtails and running. That's basically yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And Rand just wants to give her jewelry and flowers, and it's really cute. Yep. And she's, I don't know if it's jealousy or what that happens when Isendra walks in, but 
Asendra walks in because she's apparently been throwing herself at Rand. And Rand has not really been doing anything to, like, make it seem like it's unsuccessful. He doesn't know she's doing it. That's why. That's fair. He is very... He's oblivious. uh, oblivious, But he's also very focused on... She's a dark friend. Yeah. So he doesn't even think that someone might notice. And he's like... Avienda says something about, like, she's tried to sneak into your bed seven times. He's like, really? Yep. And the the maidens just (laughs) don't, they don't understand what they're doing necessarily. Because at this point, she is wearing only bracelets and a scarf. Well, so Lanfear had framed her for stealing basically. Yeah. And so she gave her like all of this jewelry and made it seem like Cassandra stole this jewelry. So now they're forcing her to only wear the jewelry. Yeah, the maids are like, okay, you want jewelry? You can have jewelry and nothing else. You can have a scarf to protect your head. That's yep. about it. Yep. And so Avienda's like, why is she throwing herself at you, Rand? Why is she wearing only jewelry? It's like, come on. Well, she knows why She's wearing only jewelry, and she's not bothered by the nakedness. She's bothered by Rand looking at the nakedness in a certain way. And she talks to Egwene about it later, and Egwene's like, yeah, anybody would look at... Any man from my land would look at a naked woman. Because they don't... We just don't walk around naked. Right. So it's not even... She's like... He's not attracted to her. He's just like, oh, God, there's a naked woman. I haven't seen a naked woman before. Yeah, well... This version of Rand. Show Rand Fox. <laughs> he does. With the cozy sweater and all. Um, it's such a cozy sweater. It really is. <laughs> you know who does some fucking in the book, though? Matt. Matt. Matt gets some. Matt gets some. Easily. Yeah. And, you know, Because he also is just like... He's, he's drunk very smooth throwing though. knives. First he's drunk off. throwing knives, and it impresses a maiden, because of course it would. He's drunk throwing bl- knives blind yeah. into the air the, and knocking targets out of the air. The, uh, where we are when we when we kind of get to Matt is that none of the merchants, who are all dark friends, by the way, yeah. none of the merchants will play any sort of game with him anymore. And the, the Aiel won't dice with him, and they've kind of devolved into... Some sort of drinking game around throwing knives. He's drinking Usquai, which is like a, a Aiel liquor that's yeah. very strong. And he's just taking shots of it and throwing knives at targets. And his luck was with him in full force. And he does it blindfolded. Yeah, he puts on a blindfold, like as like a, a final dare. He puts on a blindfold and another one of the Aiel throws up a target and he just like whips a dagger, hits it dead center in the air, blindfolded. And then this maiden, Melindra, comes up and is like, hello. <laughs> and he said, he's like, you're pretty. And she's like, why, thank you. And then he's like, just like, you've got nice eyes. And he digs in his pouch and he tosses a necklace at her. And he's like, this would go very nicely with your eyes. And she's like, I accept. And then he gets very confused. Yup. Yup. <laughs> and then later they... They get interrupted in bed by dark hounds, which is not a good time. No, but honestly, like, I get why she she was like, hey, Matt. I, I'd be like, hey, Matt, that that's... You're drunk throwing knives blindfolded into the air and hitting a target. That's... Yep. Who knows what other targets he might be able to hit. <laughs> he definitely knows where Tarvalin is. 
Well, I mean, yeah. Tarvalin's easy to find. It's North Harbor that people get <laughs> lost around. He definitely knows his way around North Harbor. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's right there. How can you not have a hard time finding it? But, like, some guys, I don't know. <laughs> they just don't know how to use a map. Nope. Read a map of Tarvalin. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. We get a little bit of other things around Matt. The memories that were kind of shoved into his head around uh, kind of old people have kind of started to, like, seamlessly integrate with the rest of his memories. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm just not going to bother fighting it anymore. I have these weird memories now. He can, like, speak the old tongue fluently and doesn't know when he's doing it. He sings old songs. He starts singing a very somber but, like, celebratory song about going to meet your death. Yep. Jack of the Shadows, which comes up a lot. And then he's talking about his spear, which is power wrought. He's got a fancy weapon. Yeah. He's got ravens on it and an inscription. And it is, it will never dull. It won't ever break. Yeah. It is Tam's sword before it got melted. Yeah. It was also power wrought and had the same qualities. Yeah. Land's sword does as well. Yes. Land's sword is not heron marked, but it is, it is power wrought. Yeah. Land doesn't, uh, yeah, Land doesn't need herons. No, he doesn't. No, he's Land. The other thing with Matt, uh, I'm just going to do it here, because Matt, Matt's not around that much in this section. No, he kind of gets attacked by dark, dark hounds, and then that's They, they break through the door and drool on him, and Rand's Balefire saves him. Because it timey-wimey, wimbly-wumbly. <laughs> yeah, Balefire... It makes it so that the dark hounds never slobbered on him, Yeah, really. Or, or they got, like, a drop. Yeah. Which still fucked up his arm. Like, his arm and, like, the side of his face was, like, all puffy and red yeah, before and Moraine healed him. He had to take off his medallion in order for yeah. her to do so. So, apparently, the medallion gives the wearer immunity to the one power. Yep. Which is um, quite the Turangriol. Yep. And she's, like, <laughs> eyeing it with that eye Sedai, like, ooh, <laughs> Turangriol. It's like, no, bad eye Sedai. <laughs> Rand is very much like bad Moraine. Yeah. Bad. That is his. No touchy. <laughs> no touchy. And this was after she she swore an oath to him. Yeah. And he's like, you can't steal his medallion. She's like. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, she's swearing the oath and he's like, I'm just going to tack this on there. Yep. She's like, all right, fine. So we, it, it's interesting because Matt asked for three things from the Finn. He asked for the memories, the holes in his head to be filled. To be filled, and he got he did random people's memories shoved in. Yeah. Well, not random people, but arbitrary people's memories shoved into his head to be free of the one power. Yep, they did that. And he wanted a way out. He wanted to be returned to where he came from, and they did do that. They hung him from a tree with the spear. Yep. But they did it, and now you know he's kind of has. Is that his dead come back to life part of the prophecy? He, he was not dead. Okay. He was just almost dead. Yeah. So he has not died and then come back to life yet. That is a common confusion. Okay. Uh, he, yeah. It, it's something else. If you see it at all. Some of the some of Min's visions may be from after the end of the series. Knowing what I know about Matt via your cosplay, uh-huh. there's still... One thing. There is one thing. There is one thing left in your cosplay that I know about that he does not currently have. Your cosplay has, like, the green jacket. Yep. The medallion. The spear. The, the scarf around yep. his neck to hide the hang mark. 
Yep, and then there's one thing that it doesn't have that I actually don't have with my cosplay, but I should. Yeah. That wasn't from a vision, though. That was from the other doorway. Yeah, but it's still a prophecy. That's true. That's true. It still goes under visions and shit. It does go under visions and shit. In any case, so that's really... But knowing what I know about him, he's probably going to... I'm going to just go ahead and say that that prophecy, because it's not from Min, his dead come back to life was not from uh, Min, so it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Like, Min's visions don't have to happen. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and guess that the ones in the doorway do. That's fair. Uh, we don't have a great number of comparisons because we don't see Rands and we don't see Moraines. Yeah. We only see Mats. But we're... We're two for three with one of the doorways in getting what he learned in there. He had to go to Roydian. And well, he... sort of. We don't... It's never really explained what would happen to him. It's just he had to go to Roydian or he'd die. Yeah. And... But, I mean, the other doorway where he asked for things, he's gotten two out of the three That's so true. far. And so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that anything that you learn about or ask for in these doorways does Prophecy come to fruition. Prophecy is awkward, though, because... There are there are two things to it, right? Like one of them, prophecies can be self-fulfilling, right? You can be told what's going to happen and in trying to avoid it, make it so. Or in the case of go to Roydian, it's just instructions. Right. But then there's also prophecies that you can change things about and then they're no longer valid, right? Like uh, there could be a prophecy that like, I don't know, I'm going to throw my phone at a wall. But if I destroy my phone some other way, I can't throw my phone at the wall. The prophecy can't happen. Yeah. It's hard to say, especially because we have evidence with Min's stuff where there are prophecies that can explicitly be avoided. What's what in the Wheel of Time? Yeah, that's fair. So I'm just leaning towards it's going to happen. Very fair. The, the Finn are, are different than Min, which rhymes. <laughs> uh, and so it could be that they're they're following different rules, maybe. Oh. Yeah, so I think that's all the Matt stuff. Yeah, he's not. He gets uh, interrupted mid uh, mid coitus mid coitus by some really angry dogs. And then oh, uh, Maureen tells him that he needs to rest, and his uh, new lady friend is like, "I will make sure my mischievous man yeah. stays resting." And he's like, "I'm your what now?" <laughs> <laughs> he does not know what he got himself into. He's played Maiden's Kiss. He should know better. I don't think he's gonna mind though. Like, cause Maybe she's not. like, cause she tells him, she's like, I'm not going to leave the maidens for you, but we can have some fun. Yeah. And so he's like, all, all right. right. And the longer he has fun with her, the longer he can avoid the daughter of the nine moons because he keeps asking it. Basically every woman that he comes across, do you have any understanding of what that is? Yep. And he's like, if they say yes, I'm running. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. Yep. So. Yep. That was the third thing from the doorway. That he'd marry the the daughter of the nine minutes. Yes, that is the other question yeah. that he did. There are so many prophecies, it's hard to keep them all straight. So, in any case, let's talk about the Dark Hounds. We, this is the first time we've, like, seen them really face-to-face. We dealt with them in book three. Moraine Balefired some more of them. And Rand Balefired some. Yes. In the brief... <laughs> the, like, two of the 30 pages that he's a character in that book. Yeah. So Rand wakes up in the middle of the night feeling something bad. He His spidey senses are tingling. Yes, the spidey senses you get from being able to channel. And it turns out Darkhounds are here. 
and but only three of them. And he bails by way more than three. He, well, attacking him, yeah. there's only three, and he he kills them. And Maureen comes in. She's like, "Did you get them? Wait, there were only three. They usually travel in big packs." And then he just goes off running, goes after Matt. Yeah, and mm-hmm. kills three more. Yep. And then after everything kind of calms down and he has this conversation with Maureen, which we can talk about in a bit. Um, he goes to find Asmodian, sees yep. that there were dark hounds there as well. He does something to the floor so people can't see that there were dark hounds going after Asmodian. Yeah, they, they like leave those tracks in stone and he just like smooths it over. So that land later can't Be like, track them and go, why are they going after your bard? Yeah. Uh, Which, he also like, good good job, Rand. He does something called skimming. We saw it in at the end of book four. He skims into Asmodian's tent. Yeah, he just like casually like opens a doorway like Doctor Strange, and Maureen's mm. like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and he's like, "I'm just gonna go skim now." Bye. Yep. <laughs> Hops in, close. She's yep. like, "What is happening?" He has a. Uh, it's not a bad form of fast travel, but it is not the fastest. Clearly, Lanfear can do something way better. She can just go straight to wherever she wants. Right. She doesn't have to, like, go into this alternate void and create a little platform and ride the platform. Yeah, which is what he ends up doing to yeah. skim. He was trying to learn about the one that Lanfear does. And Asmodian was telling him that you have to have really solid knowledge about where you're leaving from instead of getting to. Which is weird. And Rand comments on how that is weird and doesn't make any sense. He's yeah. like, wouldn't I have to know where I'm going better? Which, like, yeah, that's how, like, apparition in Harry Potter works. Yep. You can't apparate anywhere you're not intimately familiar with. It doesn't matter where you are currently. You just have to know where you're yeah. going. It's, it's an interesting weird. twist on kind of teleportation. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't really given it that much thought as to how it's weird. It's it's always like, just kind of been a thing. Like, but, it like, you could... Just be given a random address, and you don't know if it's an apartment building or a house. And as long as you know where you're leaving from, you can get there. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think it might be a little bit like artillery, right? You have to know, if you're firing artillery, you have to know where your target is. But that's just kind of a a coordinate, right? You have to know where you're trying to hit. You have to know it really well. But if you're at a point, you have to know, like, your angle and the wind where you are. You have to know a bunch of stuff about where you are so that you can hit where you're trying to go. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, just a theory. I, I'm I'm with Rand. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that's why he's like, I'm just going to ask him because this one makes sense to my brain right now. Well, and and just, I've got has, dragon reborn no shit. idea how to figure it out. And Asmodian is not strong enough to teach him how to do it. Because Rand has the, once I see it, I'm able to do it, and but Asmodian can't channel strongly enough to demonstrate it for yeah. him. Yeah. Asmodian's not even strong enough to form the weave. Yeah. Which says something about how weak Asmodian is right now, because it, there, it, it requires a good amount of power to do what he's trying to do, and obviously Asmodian could do it before, but just forming the weave isn't that difficult. Getting it to work is what requires the power. But he's super ass weak right now. Yes. And hysterical. I just, I, I, I'm just gonna. He's great. I'm just gonna accept that I like. Well, because he's, he's, he knows he's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I'm, I'm dead. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'll help you channel. <laughs> Maybe if you win, please don't kill me. Yeah. So, uh, he Rand does ran, run into Lanfear though. And t- 
talks to her as if he is Luz Theron. Yeah, Rand's kind of losing it. A little bit, because earlier in Matt's section, he's trying to get Rand's attention. And he just keeps saying, Rand, Rand. And then he's like, Dragon Reborn is still no answer. And then he's like, Luz Theron turns around. It's yeah. Like, Ooh, yikes. Yeah, it's not the best. <laughs> he's, uh, uh, have, has your theory on him reliving Luz Theron's life changed at all with this? I think I think I stand by my assessment on how he goes mad. I okay. think it's I think he's actually reliving Luz Theron's life. Okay. I think he's in a similar way to like his head his whole like Matt's holes being filled by random person people's memories. Sure. Except Rand doesn't have any holes in his memory and it's only one person. I uh-huh. think he's actually like remembering things about Luz Theron. Okay. And it, because he's re, he's reincarnated. Like he, he is. So it, I don't think he's making this shit up because he's crazy. I think he's actually experiencing stuff from Luz Theron's life and that is going to make him crazy. Okay. Okay. The crazy isn't causing Luz Theron. Luz Theron's going to cause the crazy. Interesting theory. I know the answer. That's the podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. And instead, we're going to talk about some of the stuff Lanevir talks about. Notably, that. Robin is the one who sent the Dark Friends, and that he's taken up residence in Camelin. Yeah, she kind of tries to, like... Hard confirmed. Hard confirmed. And we already confirmed it. She tries to, like, lord this information over him to try to get a rise out of him. And he's like, I want to go save my girlfriend's mom. Right. However, I can't, because Lanfear's a jealous bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he's basically what he's, he's like... Landfear's gonna get jealous, and then that's gonna put that's Elaine gonna in harm's real way. Bad. So I think, unfortunately, I'm just gonna have to leave. Like I don't think it, it, Nynaeve was able to stand up to Mogedian. Mogedian is not somebody who ever gets into direct combat. Yeah, Landfear's crazy and, and stronger, in love, and in love with him. Right, and he's like. One of the Forsaken is in love with me, and I don't know how to deal with this still. Yeah. And it's a little bit of the reason that he didn't go to the Two Rivers is coming into play here, where he kind of knows that he can't really show what he cares about because it puts a huge-ass target by any number of evil people. But and mostly Lanfear. Mostly Lanfear. But any of the Forsaken would be able to target them. One of them's already there. And... That's not even taking into at account... the Two Rivers? No, at uh, Andor. Andor, okay. And that's not even really taking into account people like Patton Fane. Yep. He's got... Rand's got enemies who are underhanded and evil, and so he has to play what he cares about really close to his chest. Yeah, and so he can't care about his girlfriend's mom being... Right. ...mind-controlled... Yeah. ...sex slave to Robin. Yeah. Like... He can't do anything about it. And yep. he's like, she's not going to like that I can't do anything about it. And she's not going to understand why he can't. Well, although I think I think she would. I think she would be angry. But th- he's going to, ha- he would have to admit that Lanfear's in love with me. I have a Forsaken that is in love with me. And I don't think that's going to reconcile in people's brains because they just no. think of the Forsaken as these evil. They're right. not people. Right. But they are people. Yeah. Clearly. They have because they have feelings and, and very personal flaws. And yeah, like they're not just like Patton Fane's not a person. No, but that's even what but, happened to uh, Ishamael. Ishamael failed essentially because he was arrogant and crazy. 
And, I mean, they're all crazy. But he's, uh, Ishmael was a, a whole other level of crazy. He, was, he was impersonating kind of, the Dark One. He, yeah, he has a level of crazy that is on par with Lanfear. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't in love with Rand. He was obsessed with Rand, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's just, he didn't want to fuck Rand. Lanfear no. wants to fuck Rand. Yeah. Ishmael had other goals. I mean, lots of people want to fuck Rand. So That's I guess fair. Isandro does, too. Yeah. She's a dark friend, so that's probably why. He needs way more normal people to want to have sex with him. He's got Avienda, Elaine, and Min. Yeah. And for a hot second, Beryllane. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. Beryllane's fine. She's just using what God gave her yep. to try to get by in the world. No, nothing wrong with that. And unless she's... unless you aim it at Perrin when Fael's right there. And then, <laughs> and then the thing that's wrong with it is, y- y- really, you have to reconsider your execution. Like, that's just, like, don't do that. She'll put a knife in you. <laughs> and when she doesn't, you're going to get sent to bed by uh, Spear, Spear Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> I mean, getting sent to bed by Spear Daddy might not be a bad thing. We do have a Spear Daddy mentioned in this section. We do. Briefly. We do. We need more Ruark. Ruark's great. <laughs> we need more Spear Daddy. He does... He Even in his dreams, he has Spear Daddy energy because... Egwene hops into his dream. This is a tangent, but it's really quick. Egwene hops into his dream... And uh, she's like, he sees me like a daughter or a child. Yeah. And then I lost concentration for a hot second and I was a child. Yep. It's very... uh, Yeah, actually, we learned about entering people's dreams here, which is a super interesting thing that has nothing to do with anything else, really. (laughs) But the wise ones have been coaching... Egwene to enter people's dreams, and it's not Teleron Riyadh. You have some degree of control over it, but it's the other person's actual dream. So if you lose concentration, you're fucked. Right, because they have just total control over you. Now, nothing or actually... you get turned into a child, and then, and then Rourke gives you a doll to play with. Yeah. Now, nothing actually bad can happen to you. It's not, it's not, not Teleron Riyadh, yeah. where things that happen to you there happen to you in the real world. But it could be really embarrassing, or depending on whose dream you're in, a real good time. Because <laughs> we learned that Egwene has been dreaming of Gawain. Yep. And what's, you know, what if she entered Gawain's dream? Or what if Gawain accidentally, like, entered her dream? Yeah. They're going to have a grand old time. Yep. And do some weird stuff because physics isn't real. <laughs> yeah, we do learn that Egwene has been dreaming about Gawain. And yeah. I like it. I like that she's dreaming more about Gawain than Galad. <laughs> the realistic one. The realistic one, not the one who's now with the white cloaks, question mark. We don't really know where he is. Nobody knows where he is, really. Yeah, they're just like, he's missing. He, he had been talking to the white cloaks before the coup, and, and then, then he now missing. he's just gone. So, yeah, and Galad was a dick, so. <laughs> he was very lawful good. Yeah, and Which I don't, often is dickish. He, he was kind of a dick. He was lawful good. He yeah. was kind of a dick. And I don't really want to think about him getting any. But Glad, but Gawain getting some is fine. Yeah. Gawain's a complicated fellow. You keep saying that and I have no... He helped a coup! A woman who basically raised him told him to! I get it, but like, come on, man. He, he was operating under the information that he had. Once he learned that his information was wrong, he helped Swan. But only so he only so she wouldn't get executed so that he could come after her later for information. He just wants to know where his sister is. He's complicated. You don't take Gawain's dog. You don't take <laughs> Gawain's dog. He would John Wick. Yeah. He's he kinda John bit. Wicking right now. I mean, but in a I mean, actually not even in that ineffective of a way. He killed two really highly skilled warders. 
Yeah, he's kind he's of... He's a blade master. Yeah. He's, he's John... John Wicking a little bit. Which, it's... That makes me feel real bad, because, like, the true John Wick of the series is Lan. You kill Lan's dog, he kills <laughs> everybody you've ever known. He will somehow learn to bail fire so that you do not yeah. exist anymore. He will learn how to channel and then bail fire you so hard that it undoes whatever you did. And then now he has his dog back, and because he's Lan, he won't go crazy. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> this is a Lan appreciation this podcast. This is a Lan appreciation podcast. Yeah. Let's talk about Balefire a little bit. We've talked about it before. We get like an actual explanation. Like, the first true one on the page as to why Balefire is so dangerous. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. We have, because I think you explained it to me a little bit it's not prematurely. Really, it wasn't really not, that big of a spoiler. Yeah, it's not really a spoiler. But Balefire destroys things in the past. Yep. Which it, is why Matt was able to survive getting slobbered on by a dark hound. It, if, depending on how hard you channel it, too is the farther back it goes. So, like, Rand didn't channel the Balefire that hard, so that's why yeah, he the like, door was still partially mauled and why yeah, he, Matt had a drop of slobber. He obliterated the first three, and then Moraine's like, that's really fucking dangerous, and then he moderates. Yeah. But what we learn is that during the War of Power, the quote of the episode talks about this, both sides of... The war, the light and the shadow, were using Balefire very irresponsibly, just wiping out whole cities. Because they didn't know what it was doing. They didn't know what the effects would be. And so the pattern was essentially warping and bending. Because if you think of the pattern like an actual, or the weave, about as like an actual tapestry, it's like cutting threads partway through. Yeah, like pulling one thread is probably going to ruin the structural integrity of your garment. But it might be able... You can... Maybe form it back. Or you can deal with it. You can deal with it. If you pull too many threads, it's no longer a sweater. Right. Now, the pattern is an inconceivably large sweater, so it takes large amounts of threads being and not pulled. not very cozy, I'd say. Nah, it doesn't really care about being cozy. No. It's, it's functional. Yeah. In any case, wiping whole cities out of existence before they actually left leaves big holes in the pattern that the pattern has to try and reconcile because people it, it's a it's a butterfly effect yeah you know you if you slam a door closed and then somebody bail fires you you know who's to say like maybe one of your pets got up and ran because you slammed the door or something fell off a shelf and broke and one of the pieces of that thing cut somebody else if you get bail fired and you're no longer... And you no longer slam the door, does the thing break? Does that person get cut? Right. And the pattern has to try and reconcile this. It's the, like... And, like, if, if that person was your child, does that person even exist to get cut, depending on how far back they went and bail fired you? Right. It's just so many ripple effects, and this is what Moraine is talking about. And credit to Moraine, she doesn't tell him not to use it. She's like, I know I'm not going to stop you from using right. it. Right. She's like, used it herself. She's like, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Just don't use it willy-nilly. Don't wipe out a whole city. Maybe save it for dark friends and right. the, the Forsaken. Because yeah. that's the only things that Maureen has bail-fired is, like, yeah, shadows she's, she's stuff. And so is Rand. Dark Hounds and one of the Forsaken. And so is Rand. He's only done it at Dark Hounds and the Forsaken. Yeah. But he's going to go crazy and... Yeah, so this kind of, the the existence of Balefire is where 
I think it can really start to sink in, like, why Rand is so fucking terrifying. He is a channeler that is powerful enough to raise a mountain. Yep. And he has access to two of the most powerful sighing real ever and knows how to use balefire. He was able to just figure it out. Moraine had right. to be taught, basically. And if if Rand wanted to with one of with either of those Sangreal, he could just send a shaft of balefire through the core of the planet. Yeah. Nothing stops it. The only thing that is unimpeded by balefire is Quandiar. But as we learn, was it this section or last section that we learned that the Quandiar like scratch no longer scratch resistant those are just the seals ah something about (laughs) touching the dark one corruption the dark one corrupts everything including quandiar so like even though they were the seals to his prison now they're just weak yeah and they're still quandiar but now balefire could i mean yeah anything anything really can can just destroy them and so rand is any channeler has a degree of terror about them when you kind of realize what Balefire can do. Yeah. Powerful channelers get even worse because even without an angry all, Rand could wipe out a city. Yep. And literally wipe them out of existence. Yep. So far back that the reality around them just collapses. Yep. It's nuts. And it's why the Dragon Reborn is so terrifying. No, I, I get it. I just, I don't know. He just hasn't done anything crazy yet to make me actually be afraid of Rand. No. And that's... I, and we're only just starting to get the information about why the yeah. Dragon Reborn is so scary. And I think five books in is too late. It's a bit It's a bit long. You I, need they to, did a, you I think need they to did have a... committed to the series yeah. If you're going to find that information. But, like, if we hadn't been doing a podcast, I would have been like, why do we, why am I reading a book about people who are scared about this shepherd? Yeah. I'm done. Like, you need I, to demonstrate that early is... on and not in a very confusing volcano way, because I get that that's <laughs> the first thing you read. But I didn't know at all what was happening. You needed more information for that to be scary. Very fair. And I think that that's one of the areas that the show has really improved. And they didn't do a perfect job because. We know you're not really shown why men who can channel should be feared with Logan, but we're shown that they're a little crazy, and we're shown other things that the One Power can do. Yeah, it's it gets there. It it's gonna get there faster. Yeah, but I still, even watching the show, we hadn't. I hadn't learned any of the information in books four and five when I watched the show. I was like, why am I afraid of Rand? Right. The show didn't give oh, me well, any more information. And, and they the show does an awful job of making you worry about the dragon being reborn. Yeah. Like, they get too caught up in the mystery of Of, like, who is the dragon? Okay, I don't care about who it is if you don't tell (laughs) me what it is. (laughs) Who is the dragon? What is the dragon? Why is the dragon? And why are you trying so hard to make it seem like it's naive? (laughs) Yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) At least least make it a queen. Yeah. Anyway, the last bit of Moraine stuff. She's been shipping Angry All all around. Uh, and the really, really big thing, and we talked about it a little bit, is that she gets basically at the end of her rope with Rand. When when Rand goes around bail-firing the Dark Hounds, she's like, okay, Rand, the way we're working isn't working. And you need me. Right. And you... I need you to not destroy cities, so... Right. So whatever it takes 
please listen to me. If you need me to serve you like a guy shine, I will do that. And lands like the fuck you won't. Right. And and they settle, I think, on something very reasonable, which is... She apologizes for offending him and tre- treating him the way she has been, because she hasn't been treating him great. She's treating him like a child. And, you know, he is, especially compared to her, very young. So I understand the impulse. But he was... She was manipulating him, and that's not cool. Right. So she apologizes. And then he she gives him some information and he's uh, he apologizes too for overcorrecting and being a dick about it yeah like he's like i probably could have gotten you to not manipulate me in different ways so i'm sorry right. i was a dick yeah but i was still right and she's like yes you were <laughs> and what they land on is she swears to not manipulate him ever again and she's eyes to eye she has to mean it yeah that that is not as binding as one of the three oaths, but it's very binding. Yeah, and she uh, says the word apology, and so he's like, she has to mean it because right. she can't lie. Right, and she has basically restructured how she deals with him after this point to be not quite subservient, like she's not serving Rand, but she has kind of strongly shifted away from telling him what to do to advising him. He does... There is, like, a moment in Egwene's point of view towards the end, though, where, like, Matt's like, he just told Moraine to go sit in a corner until he needed her. And then she did. What is happening? So she is a little bit. A little bit. I think it's gonna stop. I think they gotta... I think they had to... They're rapidly switching, and they're trying to... Figure out the balance scale. Yeah. Like I, well, they, what I think it actually is, is she is advising him as if he is a monarch, which he kind of is. Yeah. He's not officially king of anywhere. Yeah, because the Aeol have told him millions of times that the Karkarn is not a king. Right. And, the, you know, credit to the Aeol, they're not treating him like a king. No. They're treating him like a chief. They're treating him and... A slightly more chief, but still just a chief. He is, he's not quite a first among equals, but it's closer to that than a monarch. Yeah. Like, the chiefs can still disagree with him and do what they want, but the way Aeol's culture is set up, what they want is often going to be what he tells them. Yeah. But if they think it's way off, they're going to let him know. And then... And he also can't order around individual Aeol. No. No individual Aeol is just going to do what he asks. Nope. Unless like, he asks nicely or it's it makes sense. You yeah. Know. He can t- he can tell them to do things, and if it makes sense, they're going to do it. If it doesn't make sense, they're not going to do it. He can volunteer them to do something, sort of, but they still don't have to right. absolutely do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's about it. The only other information we haven't really touched on is that Rand is having the Aiel send for the Ogier to finish building Rodian. Yeah, good job. And then he makes the fountains flow. Yeah, and he tells them to just, like, let the Ogier do whatever they want. And they're like, tell the Ogier to come. Help them out if you help them out when you can. Yeah, work, as, as much work, as... Work with the Ogier to do to Rodian what you want. Yeah, as much as you can. Let them do... Let the Ogier do their thing as much as you can. Yeah. Like, they're Aiel. They're not going to do it entirely. But... But yeah, and then he makes the fountains flow. Yep. He brings water back again for, like, the fifth time. He keeps bringing water to the Aheel. If 
But I think this one's more permanent somehow. Yeah, it definitely has a feel of finality. I don't know how he figured it out, but... He's got main character disease. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, there was a giant lake that he somehow created, so... He did get it to rain so hard into Alcair Doll that it filled. Yeah, and I think it's just going to stay that way. Yeah, maybe. Because it's such a big... Maybe it just rains in the waste now. I feel like it probably doesn't rain in the waste, but it's such a large body of water that even as hot as it is in the waste, it's going to take a long time for it to evaporate. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's do some recurring segments. First up is prophecies and shit. I don't think we've gotten any, like... No new ones. I can't... No, we've gotten no new ones, and I can't cross anything off of the list that I've got going. No. But Matt is trying to figure out that Daughter of the Nine Moons yeah. thing. And we get some of the, like, side stuff at... Uh, uh, it's not really a prophecy, but things that really shouldn't happen from Moraine. Yeah. Like, don't fuck Rand. Yep. Okay. Cool. Didn't want to see that happen anyway. <laughs> cool. Uh, ship updates. Avienda and Rand. Is that a that a ship ship? That is a... That's going to happen. Okay. That is a prediction ship. Do you ship it? I think I do. Okay. It's got a lot. It's got a few of your favorite tropes. It does. It, there's f- some forced proximity going on now. I do love me some forced proximity. It is. It is not that distant from only one bed. Like that could happen. That's true. We have not gotten an only one bed in this book yet. We have not. Which I mean, Asandra's trying, I guess. But yeah, it would be a little difficult to force that in. We, but no, I think we. I think I'm going to go ahead and say that Avienda being asked to sleep in Rand's chambers is as is we're going to get an only one bed. Okay. So that's like, a prediction. That's only one tent, share a sleeping bag. Like it, it hits the vibes. Okay. It's it's the first step in only one bed, which is in a fantasy world is we are forced to share a room at the inn together. Okay. And there's only one bed because it's an inn. Yeah. So okay. like but you know typically the first night that two people are forced to stay in and in together, the the male does the male thing. I'm like, I'll sleep on the floor and you can have the bed. Yeah. But okay. then eventually they sleep in the same bed. Yeah. And then eventually they get to fucking. <laughs> yep. Eventually. <laughs> so we have taken the first step into only one bed. Okay. That's fair. It's a multi-step trope. Yeah. Uh, what about Matt and Melindra? I yeah. like it. Okay. Matt should get some. Yeah. Uh, you you do assume Matt hasn't been getting some the whole time. Now we've got confirmation. Yes. Boy, was it cuddling because he was stark ass naked and so he was. She. <laughs> the only things we've gotten confirmed is that he makes out with people. That's true. Because he played true. Maiden's Kiss. He cuddles with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. But no, I dig it. Okay. Last one. Uh, what's your favorite moment? I think it's Matt and the Maiden. Okay. I think uh, the, like, beginning of that is my favorite moment as well. I, I don't... It's fun seeing him, or not seeing him, but reading about him unclothed. But the knife bit and the, the necklace is just really amazing. I, the necklace is definitely my favorite part. The second part of that is uh, her basically just being like, he's my mischief maker now. Yeah. She's like... Because she's, she just says to him, like, you have an air of mischief about you, and I like it. And she's... The, and it's like, she's just saying... The really amusing she's thing She's saying too, my thoughts about Matt. <laughs> the really amusing thing to me, too, is that she's taller than he is, like, considerably. She's Aiel. They're all really tall. And he's not short, but she's just, like, good little boy. <laughs> yeah, he... They, like, stand up, and he's like, oh, she's taller than me. Okay. Yeah. I'll climb. It's fine. Yeah. 
He's got no problem doing that. He does not care, and I love it. Yeah. This is also a Matt appreciation podcast. It is. Matt's great. I'm not, like, in love with Matt like I am, Lan. That's fair. Like, I have a bone-deep romantic love for Lan. For Lan. Yeah. Matt could get some. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good time. Like, fuck, Mary kill. Fuck, Matt, Mary Lan. Kill Pat and Fane, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Just the him even being in the proximity of the other two. Ugh. I haven't figured out who I would kill, but just, you uh, know. Yeah. You'd have to give me a third person. That's true. Gawain. Gotta kill Gawain. <laughs> I don't know enough very about fair. him. That's very fair. I think that would not be an uncommon choice in the fandom. Yeah. Either. Maybe we should do a Twitter poll. Fuck, Mary kill, land, Gawain. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. All right. This was... Three through seven of the fires of heaven. Next episode, we will be reading and discussing chapters eight through fourteen. Bye. Bye. <laughs>